when a wealthy D.C. family's home catches on fire, leaving more than half the family dead, no one could imagine the horrific 18 hours that they had endured. A string of strange events helped the D.C. Metro PD piece together this ransom plot turned quadruple murder. But who was capable of pulling off such a crime? This episode contains discussion of murder. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Savas and Amy Savopoulos were 46 and 47 years old. They had three children, Abigail and Katerina, who were away at boarding school for most of the school year time, and Philip, who was age 10, who stayed with them at their home. Their home was worth $4.5 million. It was three stories and located in Woodley Park, D.C. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with D.C. and its neighborhoods, each neighborhood within the city is kind of known for something different. And Woodley Park is one of the more affluent residential neighborhoods. A lot of these people that live there have a lot of money and influence and you can even have foreign ambassadors as your neighbors that's not something that's uncommon and Savas and Amy I believe the Australian ambassador was their neighbor wow Savas was the CEO of American Ironworks as well as CEO of Sigma Investment Strategies and he was a fifth generation Washingtonian which is a term for someone from D.C. American Ironworks actually helped with the restoration process after 9-11 and takes on really large-scale construction projects, so this company is worth millions of dollars. And he had taken it over from his father, and his wife and him actively participated in establishing the American Institute of Welding, which is an organization that offers a fresh start to people who have recently lost their jobs by teaching them a trade. Amy was also very successful having a BA in economics and was interested in collecting art for their home. They had two housekeepers, um, one of which whose name was Vera and the other Nellie. And when I say housekeepers, they were more like family. Um, They didn't treat them poorly and they really valued them. So the family was obviously very wealthy and thriving in the city, But all of that would come to an abrupt and terrifying end as a nightmare few could imagine became their reality. On May 14th, 2015, at 1.30 in the afternoon, smoke is seen billowing out of the top of the Savopolis home, and a man rushes over to start banging on the door to try to get people inside to come out in case they didn't know, but he was getting no answer. The man calls 911 and the D.C. Fire Department responds very quickly and they were able to gain access to the home and once they get inside, they're able to extinguish the fire and they discover three bodies and pull them out. These are the bodies of Savas, Amy, and Vera, one of their housekeepers. They then find the body of Philip tied to a mattress And he was so badly injured by the fire itself that he was unrecognizable in terms of gender or age. So that's just how bad this fire was. Like, it wasn't some chill little 
fire. Like this was straight up arson and it was a blaze. Vera was taken to the hospital and she died shortly after arriving. Um, And it was reported that she had gasoline all over her. So somebody had poured gasoline on her. Because of this, the police immediately knew that this was no accident, once again pointing to Philip being tied to a mattress and Vera having gasoline all over her body. They knew that they were dealing with a case of arson and at this point homicide as well, but it would only get worse because the story just continues to become even more of a nightmare. They initially were trying to uncover the motive behind this horrendous scene And like I said, they knew that it was foul play, but they didn't know to what context. And it was really hard to determine if it was a burglary due to the fact that almost everything in the home was destroyed by the fire. So there was no way to really tell at first what was missing and what was just destroyed. I feel like that's also the, the, like, why arson set homes to fire too is to hide, like, all of the tracks and all the evidence behind it. After the fire was extinguished, police started to go through the crime scene to get further proof and an idea of who might be behind this, and it was found that all the phones from the home were missing, along with a Porsche, which was seen earlier that day. So when I say phones, I'm talking about like cell phones, because again, this is 2015, so all of their phones were missing, which is like, obviously they were taken because... Everybody has their phone on them. But even in twenty fifteen, most people have their phone locked. So Yeah. Like you have to like specialize in IT almost to get past that like security on them. Right. And they knew that phone lines, so any like home phones that were there were cut along with security systems that had been compromised. And there was evidence of duct tape on chairs where Savas, Amy, and Vera were found within the home. So they're looking at all of these things and they're like, this seems like it might be a a case of somebody was in this home with them. Like duct tape on chairs and it's almost like the family was aware that somebody else was in the home at this point. The police are first trying to locate the daughters of Savas and Amy, and they didn't know that they were away at boarding school, so they were unsure if this was some kind of kidnapping situation or if there was a crime against the entire family. So with the girls missing at first, they were kind of scared that something had happened to them and they just hadn't been able to find them yet. Um, But once they did find them unfortunately the police had to deliver the news that the rest of their family had passed away in a fire at the same time the missing porsche from the home is found torched in a parking lot in maryland about 12 miles away and a man is seen on surveillance tape leaving the car on foot with a bucket in hand this footage was released but it didn't really catch anyone's eye in the media so they still didn't really have any idea who was behind this. Police dove directly into creating a joint task force, which included Secret Service, to investigate this crime. And they were able to establish a timeline for the crime to get a better 
view of what had happened on the day um, that all of this occurred. I feel like when people think about Secret Service, they think of more like the president's bodyguards and for some people like counterfeit money, but for them to be like involved in a like potential murder arson case, it shows like kind of like how affluential the family was and just like some of the connections that they had within D.C. Yeah. People with money in D.C., they're all connected. Yeah. I think I think the fact that he was a CEO of such a big company that lived in D.C. is probably why Secret Service got involved. Um, and also when something like this happens and it's to a really big family, it's not wrong of the police to ex- like expect that maybe there's a ring going around hitting like very affluent families. So they're trying to catch this guy as quick as possible so that this doesn't continue to happen. On May 13th, around 5.30, the day before the fire, so the fire is reported on May 14th, and we're starting here in this timeline on May 13th. Savas and Nellie were at one of Savas's local businesses when they received a call from Amy asking them to return home. This was kind of weird just because Savas and Amy didn't really have that kind of relationship where Amy was asking him to come home to take care of Philip or anything like that normally. So Savas found this kind of strange, but ultimately just let Nellie know that he needed to return home so that Amy could run out and he could watch Philip. Savas called Nellie later and said that Amy was actually sick but that Vera, the other housekeeper, was going to spend the night to help the family, which, again, was really strange because Vera almost never spent the night. So Mm. it was just some some weird things going on. Now I'm feeling like Amy's involved. Savas made another call that night, calling his assistant and letting him know that he would need to go to Ironworks in the morning and wait for a package and then go to the bank and retrieve $40,000 for him and bring it to the house. This is weird to most people, but Savas was very, very wealthy and he was a smart businessman, so it's not untypical that he would ask this of his assistant because if he was trying to make a really quick deal, the easiest way to make a quick deal is to have cash in hand. So it really wasn't that strange or it didn't set off any alarms that he was asking for cash. And like, first of all, I feel like $40,000 is pocket change. Right. Right. And for something like that, Savas would normally have to go to the bank and do this in person. Um, But the CFO of Ironworks, who is Ted Chase, assisted in making this happen so that Savas could just stay at home and his assistant could bring it to him. So Savas was very persistent in this request for the money and wanted it to be done digitally and that the cash be brought to his home. And he was really persistent in saying that he actually needed the money the night before, but the banks were closed. So Savas had to call and confirm it was him the next day. And then eventually the money is brought to him. The same night on May 13th, Amy called Domino's and ordered pizza for the house, paying ahead of time and asking that they leave the pizza outside, not to knock or anything. It seems like they, like, don't want to leave their house or they can't 
they like, definitely are like kind of creating a fortress through orchestrating these phone calls right now. Vera was actually married. So this is the housekeeper that um, Savas let Nelly know like, hey, Vera's going to spend the night, but she didn't normally spend the night. So Vera's actually married and was expected to be home. So when she didn't come home, her husband was naturally concerned. And on Thursday morning, he went to the home to check on her. He then gets a call from Savas on Thursday morning as he's standing outside the house. And he's saying that Amy and Vera are at the hospital. So he's, Vera's husband's outside trying to, you know, knock on the door and find his wife. And Savas calls and is like, hey, like, I can't come out right now, but um, Vera's at the hospital with my wife. Everything's fine. They just needed to, you know, Amy's sick. They needed to go get her checked out. But when the husband asked what hospital they were at because he really just wanted to get in touch with his wife, Savas was like, hey, like, let me find that out and I'll call you back. At 10 a.m. on Thursday morning, Nellie got a text from Amy explaining that she was not needed for work that day. So Amy lets the other housekeeper know, hey, you don't need to come into work today. We've got it covered. On that same day, a sprinkler service member actually comes to the house as well, and he also received a call letting him know that no one was home and to come back another day. Something's going on in this house. Right? It's so strange. The money was then dropped off at around 10.30 a.m. by Savas's assistant, and his assistant's name is Jordan. That's something to hold on to. So when I'm researching this, I'm having the same thoughts that you're having, that this is really, really weird behavior, especially because obviously they're busy. They have people coming to do service on their house. You know, they're ordering pizza. They need to coordinate with people who work for them, whether or not they're coming into shifts. They're busy people. So it's really weird for them to close themselves off. And having the information that the police did with there being evidence of duct tape on chairs and that Philip was tied down, my mind immediately goes to hostages. And that is what happened with police as well. It was clear that the Savopoulos family went through hell. Philip died of thermal and sharp force injuries, and Savas, Amy, and Vera had clearly been strangled and showed sign of blunt force trauma as well as stabbing. At this point, police believed that they were being held captive for about 18 hours as their communications were very specific when they were communicating. And so they're tracking that timeline from when Savas and Nellie arrive home to Amy and Philip and Vera. The police believe at this point that whoever had been holding them hostage did not break in. So they're trying to figure out, is this somebody that they knew that they would willingly just let into their home? Um, Was there a door unlocked? Why was nobody alarmed? Why Why did nobody call the cops if somebody was breaking into their home? So these are all questions that are running through their heads. And initially, they suspected Jordan Wallace, the assistant who dropped off the money for Savas, to be the person who was actually at the root of this crime. When he was brought in for questioning, he was very nervous and initially lied to the police 
about the money and said that he only knew how much was in there because someone else had told him. And he was just ultimately very skittish with police. Which isn't unlike typical for anyone being interrogated by the police, even if you're completely innocent. Like in the United States, the police are an intimidating force. So even when I hear sirens on the road, I get nervous thinking that I'm about to be pulled over. Right. And I mean, this is just he's a young man working in D.C., an assistant for a very affluent person. So he's not going to be like this confident person when it comes to discussing his boss, especially then knowing that his boss is now dead. So I understand his nerves to a to a point. However, his phone record proved completely different as he had deleted a text message to his girlfriend with a selfie of him with the money that he dropped off at That's such like a young home. thing to do. I think that just yeah. shows like how naive and young he really was to like he's so excited like that's probably the most cash he's ever held at one point in his yeah, life he was trying to flex his job with this like big wig like yeah he, i'm going to the ceo's house to drop off this cash like to make a deal happen is when it is what was in his head so he was just trying to flex ultimately and so him lying about it and the police finding it on his phone didn't look great for him However, while this is all happening, the forensic evidence in this case is one of the biggest pieces in finding who was holding this family hostage. Forensic evidence has evolved so much over the years, and it's so important in every crime, but in this one in particular, it actually did not involve any sort of new fancy technology or anything like that to be able to piece together what was actually happening. It was found that someone had eaten the pizza that Amy delivered to the home from Domino's. And with high hopes that it was the perpetrator and not the Savopolis family, they tested the pizza for evidence, and they found a DNA match on the saliva left over on one of the pieces of pizza. Taking people hostage, it's a lot of work. You gotta eat. You had to keep his stamina up. Yeah. 18 <laughs> hours. That's a long time. 18 hours is a, it, it, that's a really long time to hold. I would hostage. ask to take a power nap. Be like, can you guys like stay calm right here? I'm going to take a power nap. I'll be back. And it was to four keep people. you hostage longer. That's a lot of people to hold yeah. hostage. This match that they found for the DNA was for a man of the name Darren Wint. And that initiated a massive mar- manhunt for Darren. Darren was actually training at one point to be a Marine, but he was medically discharged and became a licensed welder after that. So Savas was actually his boss because he worked at American Ironworks. He was kind of known for not being the best person to get along with. He had a hard time keeping a good relationship both romantically and within his family. And his family was actually known to be great so he was the issue in this situation his father had actually had a protective order against him at one point so that's terrifying yeah there's he just wasn't the best egg he was actually someone with a criminal background as well this included a restraining order being arrested for assault 
malicious destruction of property, arrested for carrying a machete while having an open beer, and a few other charges as well. These usually don't add up to arson, hostage situations, and murder, though. Yeah, it, it made a big jump. Um, and because he had a criminal background, that's how they were able to spot out the DNA match. I don't know if you remember when we were talking about the Baton Rouge killer, how they had all this DNA, but they weren't finding a match because even though he had a criminal background, his DNA was never taken. However, because Darren's DNA had actually been taken, they were allowed to make that match. They issued a warrant for his arrest on May 20th, 2015. And police know at this point that Darren was actually staying and or hanging out at his father's house in Maryland a lot, which is actually only a few miles from where the Porsche was found torched in a parking lot. He told his family that he had won the lottery and that he was just up on his money. So he was like handing out and buying things for his family, but they would soon learn that that was not the case. Darren actually tried to run when his arrest hit the news. He has the $40,000 at this point from the crime, and his fiance has now seen his face all over the news and wants nothing to do with him, which Good. rightfully so. <laughs> and Smart. he was arrested during a traffic stop with $10,000 on hand. So what happened to the other 30000 Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I feel like he spent it all. Yeah, he was um, during that time, like, buying things for his family and, like, handing out $100 bills trying to act like he won the lottery. So that is a possibility. It was clear that his family was helping him get away because his brother Daryl and cousin George were following him with a box truck. Darren was brought in, and his search history did not do him any favors, which when does it ever in cases like this? He looked up how to reset an iPhone 6, which was one of the phones missing from the victims that I talked about. They realized all their phones were missing. And which countries do not have extradition treaties to the U.S.? (laughs) Like, of all the things to look up when you're trying to run away, that was, like, the most obvious thing. do it in incognito mode yeah. or something. <laughs> Derek was actually able to confront almost every question that investigators asked him with an answer. Um, and Darren had tried to blame his brother and half-brother for these killings. He testified that Daryl Wint, his brother, had lured him to the house with the promise of a job painting and drywalling. He said that when he got there, Daryl Wint gave him a piece of pizza and then asked him to help empty the house of belongings. Darren says that he refused and walked out of the house, never realizing the family was being held hostage upstairs. But when the police asked Mm. him about a knife found with his dna he had no answer of course you don't yeah so darren thought when he was testifying that story of his brother setting him up that the only dna evidence they had was the pizza but that just wasn't the case they also had it on a knife and i believe it was also um a vest found in the porsche that had linked his dna as long 
with hairs in the house as well. On February 17th, 2016, Darren is charged with four counts of felony murder, kidnapping, felony felony murder in the course of a burglary, and felony premeditated murder, arson, and theft, which is about 20 counts total. The trial began on September 4th, 2018, and it revealed that Darren had entered the home and held Vera and Philip hostage, waiting for Amy to come home, who he then forced to call Savas and get him to come home. It was also revealed that they were beaten and tortured for hours with a baseball bat. Oh my goodness. Nellie, who was the other housekeeper, and Jordan Wallace, who was the assistant, who dropped off the money, took the stand during the trial and was going through their connections with the family and just the events of the day. And it was actually really emotional for them that they didn't catch on that something was happening. Darren's fiance testified that Darren was staying with her after the murders, and it was known that he didn't have a lot of money since losing his job at American Ironworks. And she testified Mm. about him saying that he had won the lottery. It was also revealed that there was a call to Savas' security company while he was being held hostage, asking where videos were stored for his specific system. So it seems like Darren was looking to find a way how to get rid of evidence that he might be there or be seen on tape. The public defender really tried to push the narrative that Darren was tricked by his brother to get into the house and eat the pizza, but there was just far too much evidence (laughs) stacked against Darren for that to work out. And it was also revealed in the trial that Daryl didn't know about any of this, which is his brother. Um, And that includes Darren filling up a bucket with gasoline, which Daryl helped him with. He honestly just thought that Darren was just being Darren and being like weird and helped him fill up this gasoline. I thought it was really surprising that prosecution didn't go after his brother as well. But I think they knew that ultimately it was Darren who held this family hostage and on October 25th 2018 Darren was found guilty on all 20 counts and sentenced to four life terms with no possibility of parole just recently in December 2022 he was denied a new trial after request to the court next week on uneasy join us as we take you on two hometown dates of our own With Bachelor Hometowns right around the corner, both hosts will be releasing an episode with a crime that happened in the very place they were raised, allowing for a unique kind of insight. Make sure to tune in to the two-episode special wherever you find your favorite podcast. (music) 